Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. Join one of the Adelaide 36ers' favourite sons as we deep dive into everything past and present about one of the most storied franchises in the NBL. It's Sixers Fix, your Adelaide 36ers podcast. Here we go! Hello and welcome. It's another episode of Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis, a special Easter edition. So we're coming to you on Good Friday right now. We've got an Easter Saturday game for the 36ers at home to look forward to this week. And, and then hopefully we've got an Easter Sunday to celebrate after after a win. So plenty to get through. We'll have a special guest as well, somebody that knows all of the inner workings of this current 36ers team. So we'll get to him shortly. We'll have all of our regular segments as well. We'll review last week's game up in Cairns and look forward to Saturday night against the Illawarra Hawks at home. So we've got all that to look forward to. I'm Chris Pike, the co-host, but the man you're all looking forward to hearing from, the the only man in history to be part of every Adelaide 36ers championship, Scott Ninnis. How do we find you on a good Friday? Chris, it is uh, 33 degrees here. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful Adelaide uh, day. In fact, it's been a beautiful all, all week. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be in the Barossa in McLarenvale uh, a mm-hmm. number of times this week with work. And uh, the sun is shining. Uh, but unfortunately, um, uh, we're talking going to be talking about another 36 a loss. And uh, they obviously desperately need a win. Uh, that goes... Uh, without saying, and uh, I wasn't the best uh, loser during my uh, playing and, and coaching career. I didn't take it well, and I'm I'm starting to get a little bit grumpy about as these <laughs> losses start mounting up with the club as well. But uh, uh, as we've spoken about over the last couple of weeks, it, it is a long season. Um, yeah, we get a home game, uh, yeah. and uh, we, we haven't been uh, at the Adelaide Entertainment Centre for 46 days, mm-hmm. so I know there's... Uh, uh, yeah, that the fans are chomping at the bit to get out there and, and see uh, yeah see a good result, and uh, I'm sure the players and the coaching staff will be be happy to be home and uh, playing in front of their home fans again. Absolutely. Um, before we get to all of that, um, by the sounds of that, Scott, is the Premier Mind Tours business starting to pick up a little bit? Well, it has. Yeah, the last few weeks have been great. It's uh, I think people are getting uh, starting to get a little bit of confidence uh, now to to plan. Uh, Ahead of time, I've, I've taken a number of bookings, uh, not just for the current climate, but for the rest of the year as well. little outbreak in Brisbane didn't really help my uh, cause. I was meant to be looking after six people in, in Langhorn Creek tomorrow uh, who were from Brisbane. So no, that no. Uh, unfo- unfortunately got cancelled because they, they can't get here. Yeah. But uh, I, I think at the moment there's optimism. Uh, there, there are so many people holidaying in, in Adelaide at the moment. This, this weekend I, I've had more inquiries for tours this weekend than in any weekend in the nine years I've been in operation. Wow. So That's I fantastic. think there's certainly there's certainly a lot of people around and, and spirits are up and um, yeah the the weather has uh, has turned on a treat. So uh, yeah, I'm optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic because mm-hmm. the last time the business started to get going, uh, we had a three day snap lockdown, yeah. lockdown that uh, that uh, everything got cancelled after that. But uh, at the moment, mate, I, I can't complain and it's uh, nice to be out and about now. Uh, uh, stunning wine regions again. No, that, that that all sounds very promising. So fingers crossed it continues. Um, okay, so let's, let's get stuck into what we saw last week up in Cairns. Thanks to All Star Photos. Kelly Barnes, you're the best photographer in Adelaide for basketball and perfect time to get in touch with him if you're, if you're a local basketball club because as your season starts up, Kelly will be able to come along, take all of your club photos, all your portrait shots, get all your action shots. So get in touch with him at allstarphotos.com.au or... Info at allstarphotos.com.au. So last week, Scott, just the one game up in Cairns on the Sunday, um, coming back from Perth. So the, the team got to spend a few days at home, but missing some troops. So before we get to the result, how tough was it to still be without Isaac Humphreys? And I know Keanu Pinder's not producing a lot, but he is still a big body and he's he's starting in the place of Humphreys right now. So he was unavailable through illness and and still no Josh Giddy to run, run the point guard spot. So... Going into the game, did you think it was going to be a challenge minus minus some some pretty important players? 
Oh, mate, every every game is a challenge in this league. I, I think I spoke to last week that it needed to be a, a an absolute must win for the club, regardless of yeah. uh, who was suiting up. And, and uh, you know, I still believe that injuries are part of the game. Um, they're just, just one of the things that happen, and you've just got to deal with it. I, I, I thought it actually gave us an opportunity to, to shorten the rotations a little bit, and we basically went with a six-man yeah. rotation with just a... Uh, you know, a couple of minutes thrown into you know purchase and Madonna and 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 Hollands, but uh, which I don't mind. I, I mm-hmm. think you know going forward, I, I'd love to see. Uh, let, let's let's narrow that rotation down to you know down to seven and, and just play our you know play our stars you know until they until they haven't yeah. asked for a sub. I, I think I obviously we we're in desperate need of a win. Um, and you know, Josh Giddy comes back into the into the squad tomorrow night, which which is obviously a, a huge in. I, I expect Brandon Paul to start tomorrow night, and and I think. Uh, you know, let's throw our best players out there and, and just go for it. I, I, Illawarra, it'd be interesting. I, I think I would have preferred to not see them, you know, get their ass kicked by mm. 32 last night. Yeah. I think I would have preferred maybe just a 10-point loss because teams in that situation, you know, good teams in that situation after a loss like that normally hit back pretty hard. Uh, on the other hand, it, it, it may have damaged their confidence and it might be a good time to get them just a couple of days later, obviously, mm. you know, with the travel that they're having to do as well. But, uh, you know, knowing it's a it's a Brian Gorge and coach team, you, you know, I'd expect them to bounce back and be, you know, two games in three days won't affect them. I, I know they'll be fit. I know that firsthand yep. from, uh, you know, a couple of Brian Gorge and pre-seasons <laughs> myself. Uh, so, you know, I, I'd expect them to, to come out and, and we really need to come, weather that storm at the start of the game and get into our offense uh you know 65 points it just isn't going to get it done and, and our offense is as we've seen is, is really spluttered at uh you know various points in in, the, in most of the recent games and and we just can't get bogged down and go through those you know those three or four minutes where we just can't put the ball in the basket and and like i said i i i'd, I'd imagine that brandon paul will, will help that like i said I, I expect him to be out there at the start of the game uh this week but you know you look at our quarters uh, up in cairns you know 18 16 16 and 15 is just not going to cut the mustard so um you know and and it's something that they would have spoken about and, and trained all week and uh you know hopefully with with the inclusion of josh giddy back into that lineup you know we can we can get some easier shots and uh, you know we can get on the rim and get some uh, into those uh, he can get into those passing lanes and uh, yeah we can have a good win tomorrow night yeah yeah for sure but I mean if we go back to to a week ago you you made it clear how how it was a must win game and no excuses so we talk about the players Adelaide was missing but you, you look at Cairns they had lost five games in a row coming into that game they were without Majuk Deng and Kuat Noi who were two of their starters so. I think it's probably fair to say that probably cancels out. Maybe Adelaide missing Gideon and Humphreys. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a must-win game going into it. So how did you feel coming out of it where it was a performance where really they never probably looked like winning the game, unfortunately? And as you said, 65 points against a team that hasn't been great defensively. Um, yeah, it was never going to get the job done. No, absolutely. And everyone really needs to take a step up for us to win that game. And that that didn't happen across the board. Um, and that is, look, it's, it's a really, really disappointing uh, loss. Uh, I, I was, you know, Noy and Ding being out of the game actually worried me because mm-hmm. I thought, you, you know, they're, they're their two worst defenders. Yep, you know, sure. they you take them out of the game. Yeah, yeah, very, very talented offensively, but it, you know, it gives them a lot of problems if they're, they're two of their starters, uh, you know, ha- who are, you know, both fairly poor defensively. Yeah, so I, yeah. I actually thought that was, that was going to be of benefit to them. And I think it, you know, once again, we shot ourselves in the foot a little bit, uh, you know, 23 or 60 from the field isn't going to get it done. Um, but, you know, they became better defensively mm-hmm. as a team, you know, with, uh, and, and I guess that's what I bang on about from week to week too, mate. Like it's, you know, you, you got to turn, if you have injuries, you, you got to turn it into a, yeah, you got to turn it into a positive. Okay, other guys are going to get minutes. It's going to give guys opportunity to stand up that might not necessarily get those chances. Um, you know, you guys know they're going to play more, so you're going with more confidence, knowing that you're not going to, yeah, you know, just play sporadic minutes. So, but you're right. I think it was disappointing that we we never really looked like we were going to win that game, and I, I think it's. Uh, 
you, you know, the confidence, you, you know, by, by all accounts, the confidence is, you know, the, the, the team is still tight and still moving in the right direction, but their, their confidence has to take a hit and, and, you know, we just need to manufacture a win somehow, some yeah. way. You know, that just has to happen before, uh, you know, this rut that we're in uh, continues any further. The thing we have to talk about is Brendan Paul. I mean, I, I was keeping an eye on social media during the game on on Sunday and it just blew up about the way that Brendan Paul was being underutilised right now. I think both in the game in Perth and then this game up in Cairns, I don't think anyone could believe that he wasn't in the starting lineup. But but that's one thing. If you bring him into the game, you know, four or five minutes in, you can you can you know then let him loose. So I don't I don't necessarily mind that. But then to watch a the start of the second half where you need to start well and he's sitting again for the first six minutes of the second half and by the end of the game, he's only played 24 minutes and he's taken six field goals and we saw what he could do in the first two games. He was he scored 45 points in those first two games. He shot the ball really well. He got to the rack. He, he just looked like he could be a superstar but these last two games, he's played a combined 40 minutes and taken 11 field goals. Um, I guess the question everyone wants to know is what's, what's going on? Well, he's got to start, and and uh, I I believe he will tomorrow night. And and why he hasn't? It's 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 difficult, you, you know, because we don't know what exactly what's happening behind the scenes. Mm. And you know, if 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 Connor's just trying to you know integrate him into the team, but you know the time the time is finished. He needs to start, and he needs to be the focal point of our mm -hmm. offense. And we yeah. need to run plays for him. And, um, you, you know, like that, that just, just has to happen. I think everyone's been saying it. Um, I, I'm 99% I'm sure that will happen tomorrow night. Uh, why it hasn't happened is, is probably a, a, a question for people other than myself. But um, I, I think we just, you, you can't have a guy that is a, a talent like him and to be only playing him 24 minutes. It, it's, it's, we, we've got to get him in. And you know, our season is, is now at a, at a point where if we don't start winning games soon, the, the playoffs are, are going to be a distant memory. So, you know, go with, it, go with your guys. Go with it, you know, play DJ 35 minutes, play Paul 35 minutes, play Giddy 35 minutes. I, I, I think, you, you know, if, you, if you're going to go down, let's, let's go down with our best players on the court. Mm -hmm. uh, let's throw them out there. Let's worry about, you know, they can have their rest the day after. Let's, yep. let's get them out there and, and, oh, and really... This, this is one game a week right now, so they, they shouldn't, shouldn't be tired. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 like I said, I think the, the rotation shortened last last game against Cairns because uh, they had to um, mm -hmm. because we, we we had the injuries. Uh, I, I I think t tomorrow night let's let's go let's go seven deep and and let's just just get those guys comfortable with each other. Let's get them out there. Let's let's run a rotation of our core seven players. Uh, and, and, and if there's injuries, if there's foul troubles, you know, we've got guys that we know can step up and, yep. and have been around this league for a lot of years. Um, so you've got confidence to do that. But uh, let, let's go down swinging. Let's, uh, let's, let's throw caution to the wind and just go out there, all guns blazing, but do it with your best players. Okay, Scott, let's take a quick, a quick break on Sixers Fixed and... Update our Premium Wine Tillers Player of the Year Award here on Sixers Fix at the Adelaide 36ers and might not have been the greatest game up in Cairns on Sunday, but there were still three standout performers. So yourself and Brett Maher have agreed on Daniel Johnson for another three votes, Jack McVeigh with the two, and Sunday Detch with the one. Um, so we'll keep, up, keep you updated on that Player of the Year Award thanks to Premium Wine Tillers as the NBL season continues to unfold, but also we've got another winner to announce in the Australian Motors Mitsubishi Player of the Year Award. It was Daniel Johnson that tipped out Jack McVeigh in the voting this week, so I've got a prize pack to give away thanks to our great friends at Australian Motors Mitsubishi, and we've put the names into the hat. Thank you to everybody who voted once again through our social media pages, so if you haven't been checking it out already, do so just by searching for Sixers Fix on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Make sure you vote every week on our award, and you can go into this into this draw for the prize pack. Thanks to Australian Motors Mitsubishi, and here we go for this week. And the winner, one of our loyal loyal listeners, and thank you for continuing to vote. It's Isaac Mainwaring. 
So congratulations. We'll get in touch with you about your prize pack and thanks to the support of Australian Motors Mitsubishi. I want to get your quick thoughts on the rest of the league right now. So you talk about make a break time for the 36ers. They're 7 and 13 now, having lost five straight. They've got five more losses now than the team that's in fourth spot. So they're starting to, to lose touch. So, so you're right, they do need to start making up that gap. But right now, the Perth Wildcats look, look very scary. They've won eight games in a row. They're 14 and 4. Bryce Cotton's unstoppable. John Mooney's on fire. Melbourne United, um, I think they're. An unbelievable defensive team when they're up and going. They're incredibly tough to score against. Um, how are you seeing things right now? Do you see those two teams as the cut above, or do you do you see some? Would you would you put somebody else, maybe a, a Phoenix in the mix too? Hang on, mate. This uh, Perth Wildcats weren't going to make the playoffs this year. That's what every, all the experts were saying at the start <laughs> of the. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, I mean, they, they're just, uh, and, and, and you know, I've laughed at it, mm-hmm. you know, every time it came up in the start and people didn't put them in the playoff mix, yep. uh, you know, just aren't, aren't, aren't fair dinkum, I don't think. But mm-hmm. no, I think, uh, I think the Phoenix are, are starting to, to, you know, come into the conversation now. I think their, their depth is uh, as deep as probably any team in the competition and you throw Mitch Creek back into that lineup now and... Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, they they went out and just slapped Illawarra around yeah. last night. And um, Jeez, I, broke I, off I, look, and keep shooting I, like that. They're going to be really tough. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think that uh, look, I, I, everything still runs through Perth to win a championship. You, you're going to have to contend with them somewhere along the line. United, uh, you, you're right, a, a great defensively, but um, you know there, there's there, there's some there's some weaknesses there that probably weren't evident early on in the season. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think you throw the Phoenix into the into the mix now as well. I think they're the three that uh, are going to be there. I, I still think that you know if I was a betting man, I, I'd still go with with Perth and United as the you know meeting in the championship series, but. Uh, uh, this is a funny old game, as we know, and a lot, lot can change. Um, uh, but, you know, from a 36er point of view, as we've said over the last couple of weeks, you know, as long as those top two teams, like, they, they let them keep winning, yeah. let them win every yeah. game, because then there's going to be some upsets with, with the rest of the team. But, you know, they can't be worried about that at the moment. You've just got to take care of your business yourself, which means jagging that win and, and getting some confidence back into the group that uh, can move forward and and, and uh, can get our season back on track. One more thing I wanted to get your thoughts on before we get to our special guest for this week. Um, you mentioned him there, Mitch Creek. What was, what, what was your reaction when you found out that he was being reinstated and allowed to play? And then we watched him play last night in Wollongong and it's fair to say the reaction he got from the crowd was uncomfortable to watch. I didn't feel comfortable watching it. I don't know that I'm that comfortable with him being back out on the court, knowing what's still hanging over his head in terms of the, what he's being charged with. And now it still hasn't been before the courts at all. Um, we don't need to go into that detail, but what? how do you feel about the whole situation? Do you think he should be playing or should have he remained stood down from, from duties? Yeah, I, look, I, I don't think he should be playing, mate. I, and, mm. and that's no presumption of, of innocence no, of or guilt. I think I think the NRL about the only competition that has this right. If someone's charged, you know, is facing a charge, is stood down, but there's no can't remember what they call it. I think it's it. a no, no fault clause or something. No fault that. clause. That's yeah. it. So there's so there's there is no presumption that they're guilty. Yeah. But while this this thing is pending, they're stood down from their duties, and and I think that's uh, it's probably something. That all, you know, professional sporting leagues in this country should should have a look at and and probably caught basketball off basketball off guard, yeah, no, did, no yeah. doubt. But um, that that is something that needs to be. They they need to have a policy in in, and I'm sure there's people working behind the scenes about that now. But there needs to be a policy in place that, you know, if something arises like this, it's not. You know, it just seems like a strange decision to make. Uh, you know, on the back of the the course course case being uh, mm. you know postponed to a later date. So yeah, and yeah, obviously he's going to cop it. You know, and, until this thing plays out. So yeah, I, I would have preferred him to still you know still be on the sidelines until the whole thing's resolved. Yeah, I agree. I just I just think it's a bad look for everybody. I don't think it just draws attention to the whole situation by putting him out on the court. And if he, I mean, if he ends up being innocent, which he might be. He's going through now copying abuse everywhere he plays, which isn't great for him. It's not great for the crowd to be focusing on somebody like that. I just, yeah, 
And, I mean, let's be honest, if he has done what he's done, we shouldn't be celebrating him as a basketball player either. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 probably... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, there's nothing that we can really add to it except to say that I think we were all surprised that he was allowed to, to play again when nothing had changed except... The court case was pushed back, but um, I guess that's a, a topic for for, another, for for other people to, to, to decide about, Scott. Let's get on to more positive matters. Now, we're going to speak to Jeff Van Groningen, basically the, the boss of basketball with the Adelaide 36ers. I don't have his official title in front of me, but I think that pretty much sums, sums it up. Um, what are you looking forward to chatting to, to JVG about? Oh, I just think it's, it's uh, you know, he's, he's around the group... Uh, you know, full time, just getting some insight. I mean, I'm I'm going to ask him why Brandon Paul hasn't been starting, and um, and and yeah, just get some insight into, you know, the way the team was put together and, and the recruitment of guys like like Josh Giddy and Isaac Humphreys. Uh, but yeah, I'll also you know, I don't think we can dance around the subject either. The, the team's pretty pretty ordinary at the moment and, and results have been uh, have been very disappointing uh, you know what what in his opinion you know do we need to do to get that back on the on the right track and uh, I, I just think it's always interesting when you've got someone who's you, you know has got you know, 100% access and insight into the team and, mm. and was a the major figure in in uh, putting this team together and and bringing Connor and, and Jamie in so uh, oh, I think it'll be fascinating to uh, to get his insight into uh, you know, all things 36 of basketball, uh, good, good and bad at the moment. Yeah, totally agree. So when we come back here on Sixers Fix, we'll, we'll be with Jeff Van Groningen. Okay, we're now joined by Jeff Van Groningen here on Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis, and he's the GM of basketball at the Adelaide 36ers. And Jeff, as you can probably tell by the name of the show, this is Scott's show, so I'll let you loose on him shortly. But just to start with, thanks for joining us, and I... I like what you're doing with the 36ers. It's a big job for you to come in and take over the basketball operations of the club. You've obviously done some great things in the NBL. The Brisbane Bullets, what you did there was incredible. The Sydney Kings, you've helped build them into what they are now. But this was a big job, almost a rebuild in a lot of ways, what you've been able to start. Um, Hiccups along the way already, obviously. But I like the direction that the club seems to be heading in and you're heading that charge. So I'm fascinated to get your thoughts. How do you feel it's going right now? And... Are you happy with, with the progress? Thanks for having me on, guys. And uh, well, that's a great question. I think we're not happy with where we're at right now because, you know, the, the name of the game is getting wins and reaching your ambitions and your goals. And, and, and if you don't have the ambition of making the playoffs, you know, you're in the wrong game. But in the wider context of what you're trying to do over a longer period of time is you're trying to build a club that's competitive every year. And if, if you can get there in, in year one of the of a new era, um, great. And if you can't, you have to work out what you do to, to get there. And this is Connor Henry's first year, and I came in at the tail end of last year, which was obviously a really challenging time. And I am happy with a lot of things that have occurred. I'm happy with the, um, the togetherness of the group. And when you look at that, that, that alone is a big thing in the middle of a, a terribly bad run of losses. Uh, some challenges are outside the players' control, like health and availability of their teammates and some some challenges within the players' and coaches' control about how you do play with who you have and um, how well you are playing as a group. It's a combination of all those things. But in the middle of all of that, the pleasing thing um, is their togetherness and there hasn't been a, a fraying or a, a, you know, a division in uh, what we're trying to do and we're unified and we're well supported by ownership, by, by management and, and by coaching and, and by players all collectively trying to work to get better. Um, on the outside, it, it could look like, well, you're not getting better. And right now, I'm not arguing that. Right now, we're not better than we were 10 weeks ago. That's because we really you know, had a, a positive start and now we've dropped off. So there's no shirking that. But uh, are we getting better as a club? Well, we want to. you know, And we're trying and we believe that we're making progress in terms of the club. So, um, you know, it's a combination of all of those things, but there's no use having a really, really together group and, and, and never winning any games oh, either. Yeah, we understand yeah. that, you know, we do understand that we're not, not moving away from that by any means. So some, some blessings, um, some challenges, uh, and everything in between that's, that's been the year so far. Jeff, I, I love the long-term vision about you know getting a team that competes for the playoffs every year. I mean, we look at the Perth Wildcats who do make the playoffs every year, and I love that uh, long-term vision from you. Um, just uh, in the short term, 
you know, you don't need me to tell you that we need a win. <laughs> what, what, uh, from, from what you're seeing, uh, you know, and I love the fact that the group's still together. Uh, you know, what do we need to do in the short term to get back on track? Is there a quick fix? You know, is there some something you see from someone in the inner sanctum to get that get that win and get a bit of confidence back with the boys? Well, confidence is a huge thing, and 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 nobody, you know, yet has put a scientific finger on it because it's an intangible. It's like momentum and it's like all those things that everybody can see are real, but are very, very hard to manufacture. You really can't manufacture it. It really only comes with a turning of the tide. It comes with a win. Wins often beget wins. Losses beget losses, which is what we're in the middle of at the moment. The answer to your question is there's definitely no quick fix. The only quick fix that I could think of would be medical miracles. So when you lose a player, you know, so significant as say Isaac Humphreys that, but even though it's a, a, a six-week injury, you know, all of a sudden it becomes a six-day injury. That, that's a quick fix. Um, we'd love that. But the reality of life is that doesn't happen. And then you have to work out, you know, what you're doing within the group that you have. And um, so there is no quick fix. Uh, the guys have to graft and, and, and work hard and get through it. Um, and then they have to somehow manufacture that win. And then, as you guys know, when the win comes, all of a sudden things feel better. You know, the, the, the tempo changes, the, the temperature changes around the group, and you, you can often be a way to a more positive mindset. So these are difficult times when you're in the middle of a, a losing streak. And, you know, being in the middle of a losing streak but not becoming a losing club, you know, is a, is a real battle. But that's what we're determined um, to do is, is make sure that we retain a winning, winning mentality and, and get back on the right track. I've got a tough question for you, Jeff, and it is a question that I'm being asked with all the people that I know in Basel, and I know I'm pretty sure you'd be asking the same question as well. Uh, Brandon Paul, uh, every day I'm getting asked, why isn't he starting? Uh, I refuse to get uh, involved in that answer because I don't see what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, yep. Can we expect to see him start? Uh, you know, where, what, what do we see from him moving forward? Yeah, look, it is a question that a lot of people have asked. I think in the um, in the initial, you know, say week or two uh, coming out of quarantine, and uh, we were advised, you know, by the strength and conditioning people and the medical people and so forth that it would be smart to ease him in. And I don't think that really happened quite as much in that first game, if you remember it, in the Melbourne um, hub that we were in. That sure. It didn't even happen as much as perhaps they would like to have, they being the, you know, strength and conditioning advisors because they suggested that that was probably like a 20-minute sort of ease-in game, a bit like we saw with Brokoff in his first game, which was two nights earlier or I think a night earlier from memory. So in, in that first game, I think everybody would understand, well, you know, he's coming off the bench and we made it pretty clear that he might not play heavy minutes. He went bananas in that game and showed, you know, what he can do. And, and 19 in the first half, we should have won the game against Perth, there's no doubt about it. And I think yep. he finished with 25 in, you know, in, in the minutes he played. I think that that built massive expectations that he would um, be playing heavy minutes, and maybe rightly so. You know, uh, people are are understandably excited and want to see him play. I think the plan in Connor's mind, and and you probably have to ask Connor, but plan in his mind was was likely that it would take him a couple of weeks to you know ease in and and, and then become a really significant minutes player, even though he did look absolutely fantastic in that first one. And I agree. You know, by by the time he's played two or three, you know, the expectations would be logically that he would be playing a lot. Now, I, I can only take it game by game and tell you what, you know, what, what sort of occurred as, as I understand it. Um, and I do attend the games. The game in Perth, Bryce Cotton, so he came off the bench there. So that still doesn't, you know, that that, that was still occurring in, in the fairly early days. The Bryce Cotton got a hold of not just him, but everybody. And Connor was searching for combinations or a player that could somehow get a handle on Bryce Cotton. Now, arguably, no one has got a handle on Bryce Cotton this year. In fact, I don't think that is arguable. I don't think anybody has got a handle (laughs) on him. I think he's untouchable right now. Certainly untouchable by defense, seemingly, at times, controversially, possibly untouchable with the way it's officiated. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, according to Adam Ford, that's Mm -hmm. certainly the case. And so forth. So, so that that was the that was the statement that Connor, you know, made after that particular game. So I think that the circumstances of those first few games were there. In answer to the question about why is he not starting, well, he will be starting, as I understand it. I, now tomorrow we've we've made the announcement that 
Tony Crocker's out with a with a hip injury, but my understanding is he would have started anyway. Uh, Brandon Paul was was coming in to you know to, to play and, and and resume what would be a much more normalised situation for him where he's starting. It's just to say that's the reality of the situation. We 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 have a coach, we have a coaching staff. They make their calls based on what they think is best, gives the team the best shot. They're not trying to lose games. Mm. Okay, that 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 is that is counterintuitive to their careers to try to say, well, it really doesn't matter. Let's just muck around and 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 you know see what we might do here and what we might do there. They're trying to come up with the best possible scenario that will assist the team in winning, and they're with the team more than anyone, more than me, more than the observers, more than you guys, and so forth. So it's a decision that that the head coach ultimately makes, and his decision in those early few games that Brandon played would, would be that Brandon was, you know, was coming off the bench. So those are always fascinating, you know, discussions. I, I would also note this, Ryan Brokoff's been coming off the bench and he's an Olympian mm-hmm. uh, and he's a guy that's freshly out of the NBA. So it, it's not without precedent. I think it does occur, but, but I think that, I think that one of the things that, that did occur was, because Brandon had such a massive game in that first one, and because yeah. he's a, and because he's a well chronicled you know star that has spent some time in the NBA more than five minutes and and played a really high level. You're talking Olympiakos and you know his debut game in China that was off the charts as well. By the way, so he seems to you know really get into a new league with some great flair. And so because of those things, I think, and again I understand it, but I think people say, well, that's that's a starter, and, and I get that. But we have head coaches for that reason. Ultimately, the coaches are in control of those calls, and then ultimately the club makes the decision on saying, well, whether that, the, the coach is there to coach the game, and, and that's what the, the coach does. So, you know, I hope that gives some context, but I understand that people will sit there and say, well, you should have played him as a club. The coach should have played him, and, and perhaps we would have more wins. And one of these things that's always fascinating is when you analyze a game from, from the outside or even from the inside, you don't get the benefit of running a parallel game and saying, there's the game where that guy started mm-hmm. and there's the game where that guy didn't start. That's back to the future stuff. You don't know that, okay? So what we do know is we've had a bad losing run. We've lost too many games. And so it is understandable as a passion and the, and the the great level of interest that the supporters have, and I especially thank those supporters who have paid to be season ticket holders, to come to the games and put their hard-earned down. I don't have any problem, and I've never had any problem, with them having a passionate opinion on that because they've earned that right. What I do say, though, is even though it may look logical, even though they may come up with great... um, theories on what would have happened if Brandon Paul started or, or anybody else, you know, what would have happened if we did this or play this guy less. There's a lot of guys that they're saying we should play less of too, because again, they're just saying we need to do something because we need to turn this run around, you know, and, 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 and I get that. So, but, but again, stress, we don't actually know. We, we don't know how a parallel situation would go with this guy playing more, this guy going less. We only know what's actually occurred. And what's actually occurred is we've lost some games and, you know, therefore there's, there's a lot of people, you know, wanting, wanting to turn us around. And I think in most cases, other than some, you know, perhaps critics that in, enjoy the, the 36ers losses, and there's probably a few of them out there, but most people are actually genuinely interested in the club, you know, getting back on the winning path. And, and we appreciate that. And we can assure them that we are too. We're, you know, we, we want to get back and we're hoping that that's going to start from tomorrow night. Yeah, Jeff, I, I, I want to talk about Josh Giddy. I mean, yeah, having him back in the lineup to, tomorrow night obviously is, is a huge boost. But I, I want to go back to uh, his recruitment. You know, you know, you got him signed. We didn't have a coach uh, signed at that time. I mean, that was that was just an incredible coup, I, I think, for the club. Can you just run us through that? How that how that went about uh, during that period? Yeah, well, I think. Thank you, um, and we we thank you know Josh for making the decision, and ultimately, you know when I'm asked those questions about players that have decided to join a club, 
where I've been lucky enough to be and, and, and I'm very fortunate to be here, the, the answer is always, well, we thank the player. Uh, the players made the decision. But in terms of how it unfolded, um, I, I think the relationship with the family helped a great deal. And uh, my first GM job in the league was with the Melbourne Tigers, now, now obviously rolled into the United, and Warwick Giddy was still playing. And then I coached state league in what is now the NBL one. It was it was the big V back then. And Warwick Giddy actually played for me uh, at the end of his career and had some time with me in there in, in Victoria with an NBL one team or, or big V team. And um, that also, you know, occurred. Now Josh was a non-factor then because you know you're talking about so long ago that he was either not born or or just born. <laughs> um, so it wasn't like I got into Josh's head at that particular point. Um, but, but I was very close with the family and I've always enjoyed the company of Warwick and Kim and just obviously his mom and dad. And, and so that helps. And what, what, what that does, I guess, is it gives you the ability to have a, a conversation with the family and the agent, in, in this case, Daniel Maldivan, who I've signed many, many of his players. Isaac Humphreys is another one, for example, um, who's with Daniel. And the discussion was, was rather easy to have in terms of saying, look, we're interested. We, we were always going to have a good discussion. The difficulty was that every single person in Australia thought he was going to go to Melbourne United um, because Warwick, and still to this day, works for Melbourne United. Mm. <laughs> um, so, you know, you're at a bit of a disadvantage there. But Warwick and Kim let Josh really do the considering of what was laid out and we laid some things out. Now, I've got to pay a great deal of, um, I guess, thanks to Grant Kelly, our owner, because he jumped on the plane with me immediately. As you Scott said, Scott, during a time that would have been very easy for him to concentrate on other things. We had uh, had a situation where Grant and uh, Joey Wright had worked out their separation and Joey had moved on. There was a lot going on that, that was not the finest hours of the, of the club. And Grant went with me, literally went with me on the, I guess, the emphasis that I made to say, look, this, this is one that I think we need to really spend some time on and see if we can um, lay a, a plan out for Josh about what his year could look like with the Adelaide 36ers. And Grant said, I'm with you. Uh, where do we need to go? When do we need to go? And we jumped on a plane. We went to Sydney. We were very open with Josh in a meeting in Sydney with him and a representative agent of his. Daniel was not there, but one of Daniel's um, compatriots that works for him was there. And we were very honest with them and said, what we're asking you to do is not necessarily look at the right now, but project forward to next year. We will appoint a really strong coach. We will look to build the club. You will be a big part of it. Um, we want you to, to be in the 36ers uniform and use the 36ers year to really continue to grow your basketball, but also help us win as many games as possible. And then we want to help you achieve your greater aims over the next couple of years. And if, and if you recall, and it's obviously public record, we have Josh actually signed for three years because no one can know for sure what the speed of the development of an 18 year old, or he was only 17 sure. when we signed him could actually be. And in Josh's case, I, I personally felt like it would only be a year that we'd see him. But you don't actually know until the young man is in the NBL and, and he's been in the NBL now and everybody can see, you know, what we'd hoped would, would occur. And selfishly, yes, we'd love him to be for his second year here, but that is not going to happen. <laughs> and and that, that's how it unfolded. But again, the, the credit really goes to Josh for being open-minded to listen, Grant Kelly for accompanying me over there, and I did my part and was lucky enough to have you know, a long relationship with a very good family and they listened and the fact that they listened, I think was probably the key. So, uh, that's how it unfolded. And, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful it did because I think he'll, he'll be yet another 36er that has had a run here before going to the world's greatest league. Uh, and mate, we realize your, your time's important, so we won't hold you up for too much longer. Sure. You just, you just mentioned Isaac Humphreys, obviously he's, you know, like his form was outstanding. Uh, and, you know, he keeps it up. I, I would expect him to be an Olympian and, and then back in the NBA soon. Can you just give us a bit of an update about about his injury, when we can expect yeah. to see him back on the court, but also, you know, how excited you are to see, you know, what he showed us on the court this year? 
Well, yeah, it, it, it's just such a, a terrible, um, you know, story. And I, I watched the, you know, watched the Melbourne United game today. And even though he's an opponent, you feel bad for, for Jack White. You know, he, mm. he comes in there, he looks fantastic. And then all of a sudden, who knows, you know, what he may, may have. They've confirmed he's ruptured his Achilles. Yeah, so that's just, you know, that's a nightmare. Right? It's a terrible situation. And, and, and I think, you know, I'm grateful that Isaac doesn't have something with the, the level of, of that. But I, the point is that you get these guys that are just in rare veins of form. And Isaac, I, I think anybody who wouldn't have had Isaac certainly in the top four or five players in the league at the time he went down wasn't watching the same game yeah. as the rest of us yeah. because he, he was on fire. And I think... It, it is really terrible timing that may or may not, not have been related to just the sheer volume of games that we were playing at that particular time. And there's some suggestions, not a perfect science, but the medicos do feel like he was, he was putting a lot of strain on a particular part of the body, in this case, the foot. And uh, that might've contributed, but we have no choice on that because that's, that's the case. And that might also, by the way, be the reason that there are seemingly so many injuries right now with other teams, not just mm, us. Yeah. And, yeah, and sure. uh, we, 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 I just think that's, that's one you can't do anything about because we support the NBL. They put a magnificent season on in trying circumstances and you, you hate having to play game after game after game. But what is the alternative? You know, not having the season? Well, that, that would have been really, really bad. So to get back to Isaac in a micro sense, he is progressing. We had hoped initially on the first uh, sort of diagnosis of where he was at that he would be back around now, but he's not going to be back for at least a couple of weeks. But we are confident that notwithstanding any hiccup, and he hasn't had any, he's just had slow progression. But unless he has any hiccups, he will be back, and he will be back with a decent chunk of the season to go. But it won't be, won't be tomorrow night, and it won't be next week. After that... We start to get into okay. Well, when when is it worth putting him back out there and, and getting something worthwhile from him? And that all comes down to cardiovascular vascular readiness, to to legs being you know having enough load under them uh, with practice and all those things. But you're really getting to the point after the Perth game next week to where you can at least start to say okay. Well, now he's kind of technically he's he could probably start being worked in sometime soon. What are we going to do? And that's up to the the guys who's um you know, whose job it is to, to advise us on those things. Last question, Jeff, I promise then we'll let you, let you no go. No problem. No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm totally fine. We've, uh, yeah, you've been in the league, in and around the league with a, with a number of different teams for a long time. I, I'm almost always interested to see people's perceptions from the league now compared to 10 years ago, 10 years ago. How, how do you see the NBA at the moment? and uh, where, how it's travelling and what it's looking like in the future. It's a very random question, I yeah, know. Uh... No, no, absolutely. It's, it's a good one, and I think there's a couple of things. Ten years ago, I, I think the league was, you know, really at its the, the trough of, of, you know, if it was a stock market chart, it was way down the bottom of either the U or the V, depending on how, <laughs> how you look at these things. And, and, and it, but it was at the bottom, and... There were a lot of things related to that. Um, I think Larry Kesselman, despite you know criticism at different times that he's received, has done an amazing job with the league. He's he's put resources into the league that many people would 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 have no idea. You, you, you're talking telephone book numbers. Mm. Um, for those of us who remember what a telephone book was, <laughs> and, you know, and 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 I think he's done an amazing job. Uh, and, and I have been one that is at different times said, wow, I, I wish that that particular decision hadn't gone like that, or maybe we need to do this. It's not a perfect science running a league, but if he hadn't have done what he did and has done and continues to do, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be in this situation where people are going, wow, the league's going really well. That is, that is a testament to Larry. What else is a testament to, which goes hand in hand, but, but it does absolutely flow one from the other is the ownership of the league, of the various teams in the league, not, the, not just Larry owning the league, but the ownership of the nine teams about to be 10 needs to be commended. It, Adelaide is incredibly blessed to have our owner, Grant Kelly, own this team. The, the time that he has spent um, with this club, when you look at the fact that he's a CEO of an ASX 
you know, top ASX listed company in this country, it, people have probably not a great idea. I don't, I didn't have a great idea of the time constraint that that places on an owner. Mm. Uh, this is not a, a, an owner that some, some owners are, are fortunate enough to perhaps have finished their work life um, and, and maybe be older or maybe they've just, you know, for one reason or another, not, not had a day-to-day existence of, a, of another type. Grant's a guy that is running vicinity. It's massive. It's, it, it, it just mind boggles me as to, as to the size of that task. And then he never fails to pay attention to the detail of this club and whatever is needed for this club to, to push forward, he's there to provide the support, the resources, getting things right, supporting staff, making sure that he does everything he can, hosting people on game nights, you know, engaging with government, engaging with stakeholders around the club, assisting the executive management team, assisting us on the basketball department side. But I would, so I would thank him for that profusely and also make people aware that that is a, that is an unenviable task that he has to do that. And it's a thankless task, but he does it to make the Adelaide 36ers the best possible club they can be. And then I would also say across the league, there aren't, there are many you know, that in their respective clubs are also taking that approach of just supporting their clubs, owners that support their clubs. And so that all feeds into why we are so far advanced from where we were 10 years ago. I think the ownership is much more stable. There are better owners around the league. Um, and as that has occurred and they've resourced the league, the players get better. And as the players get better, the product gets better. And I, and I think, it, you know, you, you, I know you rather randomly said, say, 10 years ago, I, I don't think there's – here's a little bit of controversy for you and we can start the debate <laughs> for the future. But I don't think there's a team 10 years ago that would knock off the bottom four teams right now in this league, not in a three-game series. I don't think in a three- to five-game series there's a team 10 years ago that is well-equipped to knock these teams off. These teams now from one to nine uh, are better than the teams from one to nine 10 years ago. In fact, I would argue that 10 years before that, they were stronger as well. We actually troughed and we actually went down. So I think that you know, some of the great Adelaide teams, I'm not just saying that because I'm on an Adelaide <laughs> podcast, but they were great and it was hard to come in here and win. And when I was running the Bullets 2007 team that won the championship and that was in the conversation as one of the better teams. But Adelaide had had some teams that to this day, if you talk to Ken Cole and these guys, they can put on a great argument that they were great the Phil Smythe teams were great. Perth was running around, you know, Melbourne Tigers, 93 and 97 championship team, the 97 one I was around for there. Those, those teams were unbelievable. It was not actually that era that was the problem. <laughs> it, was, it was 10 years later. It was, sure. 10, yeah, it was sort of um, 10, 15 years later. That was down where it kind of was the nadir of the, of the whole situation. So it, it's way better. It's, it's, it's way better equipped. We only, we only lack one thing, and it's a tough business environment in which to do it at the moment, but it's monetizing what is a very, very good product so that it can be streamed and broadcast and sold and packaged in a way that can, you know, support clubs in, in somewhat of the way that say an AFL or NRL team is supported. But Jeremy Loliga is the right person. He understands the commerciality of that. What it is though, is it's at a very, it's a very tough time. Networks are not spending money on that, mm. you know, other than, other than the AFL. And you look at what's happened with cricket, where basically you've got two networks, one in particular fleeing, trying to get out of their yeah. deal to cover <laughs> cricket. Yeah. You know, they can't run away from it fast enough yeah. because the money is not there like it was for broadcast because the whole media market has been sort of splintered up. So, so bottom line is if we can crack the code on how to monetize that, and we, by the way, have a better chance overall, believe it or not, than just about any other sport because of our international engagement and our connection to the NBA and our connection to Asia and so forth. There's got to be a code to crack in there somewhere and nobody's been able to quite do it, but I believe that our guys can do it. And I think with the owners that, like I described, Grant and then Kesselman, Low Leaguer, these are smart guys that given the time and given the resources and the marketing ability that these guys have, we can crack that code. And when we crack that code, look out because then we can, then I think we're better than the Euro league. And then, then we're really in good shape. Jeff, uh, uh, we can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, 
you know, and, and, and you're passionate it's, and you've been, you know, so forthright with your answers. Uh, we'd love to get you back on again. I, I, I would explore things like who do you think the best NBL team of all time is? Who the all-time greatest? Because I yeah. think we could have a great debate with all this stuff. By the way, yeah. that, that bullet team mm. you were talking about, you know, Al Green might punch me in the face, but I reckon that was I reckon that was the best team of all time. But anyway, that's that's the story for another day. Thank you so much uh, for your time, and uh, we've loved having you here on Six and Six. No, no, look, I really appreciate it, and I know that you know this is this uh, podcast of yours is listened to by you know literally the most passionate fans. Uh, we don't expect them to always agree. I don't expect anyone to always agree. I'm happy to um, just take the level of criticism that's out there on board. I think when when those fans that are engaged and just want the, the club to do better, take that approach. I'll never um, I'll never return fire on that. I think personal criticism is, is sometimes out there and, and, and not by your particular listeners, but I think that crosses the line sometimes. But this interest that the club followers have is understandable and we you know we want to turn this club around and, and, and start getting wins back on the board just as much as them so we actually have a common belief with them so we, we appreciate and we hope they stick with us but we, we need to give them a reason to stick with us so hopefully tomorrow night we can give them the start of that reason That's absolutely, thanks Jeff Okay, back here on Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis and, yeah, fascinating chat with Jeff Van Groningen. I hope you all enjoyed that, 36ers fans, and I hope hope he's put some of your thoughts at ease about the way the team's travelling for the future. Um, but the immediate future, Scott, is Saturday night back at the Entertainment Centre, the first home game since February 15. Um, it feels like we were having a home game every second or third day there for a little while. Now, all of a sudden, it's the first time in a long time. Um, how important is it? for the team to play well in front of the home fans because now that it's AFL season, they might quickly drop off if the team doesn't deliver. Yeah, and this is a difficult one from, a, uh, I guess, a crowd perspective being being in Easter. The, you know, a lot of people yeah. are away. Uh, they're still expecting about 6,500 people to the game, which I think is outstanding <laughs> considering mm. uh, it's it's uh, you know it's on a on a date that they wouldn't have selected if they had the choice themselves but um, do we still have any restrictions um, on the crowd I think it's still at 75 percent okay. I believe yep. it's still um, I, I don't don't hold with that in stone but I, I believe that's uh, that's where it is at the mm. moment mm-hmm. but um, um, yeah look I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing um, you know seeing seeing Illawarra play I think they've got some you know, they've got some real talent there. They they've got you know, Gordon's always always plays a lot of players, and uh, I'm a little concerned about uh, Harvey. I think uh, you know he was. Actually, you know, actually having... Scott, don't be. He won't be playing. So he's he's hurt. He, oh. he, he hurt his back a couple of games ago. He didn't get through their game last night, and yeah, he's been ruled out for the next couple of games. So that's one less concern. That... That is good news for the 36ers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he might have been some of... Oh, that, uh, that, that is good. But once again, you know, they've got players who'll step up and, um, uh, you know, get more opportunity. And, uh, you know, they've got some, certainly got some talent there. You know they'll be relentless defensively by being a Brian Gorgian coach team. And, uh, you know, we, we're going to have to match them for intensity and, uh, uh, you know, really execute what we're doing. Be, be ready for you know, that pressure up the floor that, uh, you know, Gordon is renowned for. and uh, But we're at home, um, you know, once again, you know, we should be optimistic about going out there and, and doing well. And uh, let's hope it pans out that way. Tell me about Brian Gorgon. From your history with him, how does he respond to a 32-point loss? Oh, you wouldn't want to be, uh, you know, you wouldn't want to be in that team. I, fortunately, when I was with him, uh, they were far, far and few between. We, mm. we, we had some, yeah. uh, you know, a couple of great years uh, with him. The, the first year being the Eastside Spectres, and then the second year the Southeast Melbourne Magic. We, we played in the championship series the first year and lost to Perth in three games, and uh, you know, won it the next year against the Melbourne Tigers. But uh, Oh, look, he, you know, Gorgian is a relentless competitor. Like, he doesn't take the foot off the pedal, win, lose, or draw. He's, uh, you know, he, he's absolutely, 
you know, prepared, for, you know, goes the extra mile to be prepared for anyone. Um, you know, as, as, a, as a play, you know, you go through times when you absolutely hate the prick. <laughs> you, know, I thought there's, you, you have those ups and downs, but at, at the end of the day, he, uh, you know, he, all he wants to do is, is to, for you to get better and the team to have success. And, uh, um, you know, playing, you know, playing in front of, at what that point was, uh, you know, in consecutive games, the biggest crowd ever in Australian basketball, mm-hmm. you know, 15,000 plus for three games against the Melbourne Tigers will, you know, certainly go down as, as you know, the highlight of, of my playing career and, uh, you know, starting at the point guard and chasing Leonard Copeland around the court for 40 minutes for three games straight was uh, not, not a lot of fun, <laughs> but... Uh, um, but incredible memories, and um, you know, like I, I left Adelaide, you know, to become a, a better basketballer, and I've I've got Brian Gorgian to to thank for that. You know, mm. like it's, uh, you know, he showed me what it takes to be, you, you know, to be a professional basketballer, and and drove me and drove me, and we end up with the ultimate success. So uh, you know, like I'll, I'll always thank him for that, and. Um, uh, you, you know, like his his career is is second to none. I think it's I think it's fantastic for the NBL that he's back yeah. back here. He, he gives. A, I'm I'm going to look forward to tomorrow night seeing Brian Gordon strut up and down and be booed by 36 of fans <laughs> just for old times' sakes. Uh, uh, they, they they love to hate him, but uh, yeah, look, he's uh, you know the success he's had is is second to none, and he's you know he's he's quite comfortably the. Yeah, the greatest coach we've seen in the NBL, and um, you know, you know, his teams are going to be prepared and come ready to play. I was going to ask you about that. He's got a fascinating history with Adelaide, doesn't he? Obviously, some of those battles with the Thirty Sixers teams that that he had, and the passion that he always had. Um, I guess he wasn't always respected like he was now. He was seen as a bit of a bit of a hothead and a guy that was easy to hate from an Adelaide point of view back in the day. But I'm sure he's looking forward to coaching in Adelaide again for the first time. I think it'll be in in twelve years. We just had great battles with with yeah. his teams, and it was it was funny. I always think it's ironic that you know Gordon as a player was a was a mad gunner who who, who never turned down a shot, and uh, his teams turned out to be just you know like everything was about defensive mm. pressure, and he had the Darren Lucases and the Mike Kellys of this world. You know Phil Smythe as a player was an incredible defender, and mm-hmm. you know I think three time Defensive Player of the Year. Whereas his teams would just played loose offensively and just went out and shot at every. It was yeah. almost like their their polar opposites yeah. uh, took took over when they were coaching and uh, and we we played a free flowing style of game that um, you know obviously in those back to back championship years you know the Magic had had, tr- had trouble with and uh, but yeah we did we we had great battles with with those teams uh, you know throughout the ages and. Uh, uh, the, yeah, they were a great rival to the 36ers, and uh, I, I think no, there'd be no doubt that tomorrow night will be different. I know that uh, you know Gorgian will come in and, and coach like he always does, and those there'll be some Adelaide uh, fans from all those years ago that'll be uh, yeah quick to remind him about <laughs> their, uh, their their dislike of him and his team. So uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's always fun. It's always done in a good way, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it immensely. Do you remember the last time you actually caught up with him in person? Not for a, not for a long while, actually. So um, yeah, not many many years. I'm ho- hopeful I'll be able to be able to bump into him and say good day uh, tomorrow. That uh, I know there's still COVID rules that uh, come into play, but uh, uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be sitting. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where we're sitting tomorrow night, but I know it's in a box, so it might even be right behind their bench, which uh, oh, I, I I think would be uh, I think it'd be great <laughs> if it is. And uh, uh, but. Um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd look forward to saying good day and uh, have, having a chat with him if I get the opportunity. Okay, just finally, from a game perspective, what do the 36ers need to do to, to get this win? They, you, you have to match them for intensity. I mean, that's yeah. that's the thing. Like They'll come out, they, they'll play hard. You, you know that's going to happen um, with the t- that team. Um, but, you know, they've got, got some guys that can shoot the ball and, and, and are, are not scared to do so. And, and we're going to have to be locked in. As a team defensively, but I, I I just want to I just want to see offensively them play you know play with some confidence, you know 
play up tempo, get some easy baskets, and then when they get into half court, you know, really execute and, and not go through those times when they have those scoring droughts. And I, and I think a big part of that is, you know, let's let's get Brandon, Brandon Paul running off screens and, and, you know, run stuff for him early. You know, let's... Let's get him involved in in two man games with with Daniel Johnson. Let's let's you know put the ball in Josh Giddy's hands and let him get into those lanes and find the open shooters and and yeah you know, just just settle down into the game as quickly as possible and and I think we do that with our with our best players on the court as we've already spoken about. But uh, you're certainly going to have to be ready for a, ready for a war. You know you, you mm. know you have to battle against this team and. Uh, and and Gorgian will go ten deep. You know he's he's not scared to pull the trigger and 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 pull players in and out to, depending on how they're going. Um, you know they got some talent coming off the bench and and some guys who uh, who who love a shot coming off the bench and mm. uh, you know with with some size and athleticism there we, we're going to have to be locked in right from where the word go. Yeah, it should be a good game. Let's hope for a good performance from the thirty sixes. It's tomorrow. Saturday at the Adelaide Entertainment Centre against the Elora Hawks. So if you don't have your ticket already, make sure you get it because you'll be you'll be seeing a pretty good show on Easter, Easter Saturday. Um, it's been another big show. I've mean, enjoyed it again, Scott. And thanks to thanks to all of our partners for making it possible. Thanks to All Star Photos. Thanks to Australian Motors Mitsubishi for our Player of the Week award. Thanks to Premium Wine Tours for supporting our Player of the Year award. And of course, thanks to Sports Card World for making it possible to speak to our special guests especially this week with Jeff Van Groningen. So I'll wrap it up. Happy Easter to everybody. I'm Chris Pike, and I'll leave you with the one and only Scott Ninnis. I just encourage people to come out to the game tomorrow night. It's, uh, you know, it's going to be entertaining. It's great that we're back after uh, you know, a month and a half without having a home game, and I know there's still good tickets available. So uh, uh, encourage people to come out and support their team. Well, goodness knows they, they need that at the moment, and uh, let's hope that we're sitting here uh, next podcast talking about a great win over Illawarra.